Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning back in to the Birth Exchange Podcast. I am your girl, midwife Christine, and we are about to have a really important conversation, y'all. All of our conversations have been important, but today, we're going to get into something really, really deep, all right? I am here with a BBG dad times two, times forever, <laughs> Johnny Alexander. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are a licensed clinical social worker. Yes, that I am. Please tell our audience who you are, what you do, and let's get into some things. Um, so I'm Johnny. Um, currently, I'm a private practice owner of Elevated Genius Solutions, um, in which I, you know, I specialize or mainly work with families, teen, adolescents, young adults, mainly males. I have one um, trans client, trans masculine. So I guess you can add that to like the things that I do. Okay. Um, but the vast majority of all the people or kids that I see are neurodivergent, which means they either are um, autism spectrum, ADHD, um, anxiety, depression, anything that they may have that makes them, I guess, not neurotypical or um, any emotional struggles that they may have is what I see in um, teens, adolescents. But my main focus is helping them maximize who they are, become the person that they're intended to be. Um, and I do that in a number of different ways, depending on how I interact. So also my practice is kind of like non-traditional. I don't operate from an office. I go to where you are or um, a neutral location. So um, actually, we're in an area where I do some of my sessions. Um, I actually do some sessions at the Battery. I've done mm. some at Bad Daddies up the street um, to the point where people kind of know me when I show up. Um, I actually got a shameless plug from Hooters the other day. Okay. Because um, I go there, I play games, I do whatever to engage with them, but I also work with the entire family. So I do one-to-one awesome. -one kind of therapeutic mentorship with the kids, and then I do parent coaching with the parents, and then I also do some family sessions. Hello, parent coaching. That's why we're here. Because that's where... Okay, let's us. break this down, okay? Because you have families and individuals mm -hmm. who they may not already know that they need some sort of help, some sort of therapy to get through some emotional challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Traumas, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There are so many different types of mental health therapists. So how would a regular person who knows they want to seek assistance, right? Mm -hmm. Who do they look for? What type of therapist would a, per a person look for? Well, I think first is identifying a different type of people that provide I guess, talk therapy or counseling, right? Because that's the base of what we think of and that's the pace to start. Um, often, sometimes people might skip to thinking, now that I have mental health issues, let me go see a psychiatrist and start the medication process. Um, and sometimes I advise against that because people might get medication but not get the therapy to that support that. Right. Um, and not get in psychoeducation, the medication management, or the tools to manage and maintain so they become reliant on medication. So what do they do? Google therapist? So they Google therapists. I think a, a good place to start is um, psychology today. Um, it's very common. Okay. It's, mm -hmm. it's easy to navigate. Um, it's universal. So whoever is looking for what they're looking for, and then you might find yourself coming across, I guess, three major titles or, or letter backgrounds. So you have your um, LCSWs, which is a licensed clinical social worker. Mm -hmm. um, specific to that comparison to a licensed, um, licensed master social worker is that I'm able to I guess, govern myself. I, I don't need any okay. supervision. I've gone the testing, the licensing to if I provide a diagnosis is supported and I, you know, that falls on me. So okay. if there's any mistakes in that, there's any liability, I'm the person that's accountable or responsible will also allows me at some point in time to provide supervision. So LMSW will be a person that is kind of fresh out of, you know, out of school. They pass their licensing exam. They're in a 
they're in the practice of providing therapy, but they need some oversight or supervision. Okay. And so therefore you might also go to LMSW. Doesn't mean that they're less qualified, but they're still having some oversight, which might be beneficial because they can go to their supervisor and talk about a, a specific case and get insight. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. So in the field of social work, you have LMSWs, you have your LCSWs. Licensed clinical social, clinical social workers are fully licensed. LMSWs are kind of junior licensed or associate licensed, and they have to be supervised. Um, and then you have your LPCs, your licensed professional counselors which provide more, um, you know, talk-based therapy um, as well. I think what differentiates social workers from professional counselors is um, don't misspoke because I know sometimes there's some kind of back and forth between social workers and counselors, Mm. but um, I was told to go into social work because it's more versatile. I worked in community health care clinics, and so at the time I went to – the CEO was also like an aunt to me. And I was like, would you help me pay for school? I'm thinking about going to school for counseling. It's like, we'll go to school for social work because of the versatility. Um, and so, um, for instance, I, I used to work in HIV and we do a lot of trainings in HIV. And a lot of the trainers, their supervisors were social workers, uh, clinical social workers. Um, you'll be in a community healthcare clinic or a clinic in general, and you might have a social worker, a licensed clinical social worker that runs your mental health department. Um, there's admin duty. So not everything within a social worker has to be one-to-one directly clinical. So that's one thing that for those who are seeking the profession or want to go know which way to go, that's something to consider that there's a little bit more versatility in social work than just providing direct one-to-one counseling. Counselors, I think, is more so on counseling and providing therapy or talk therapy in that regard. Okay. And I know they have um, associate licensed counselors as well. I don't know if it works the same as that they're able to provide counseling and need to supervision, but I believe it's a similar situation. So they probably wouldn't know who they might need until they reach out to someone. Yes. Um, so and be directed a, and steered into If the you direction. in your search and you've run across an LMFT, LPC, a, a social worker, for the most part, if you're just general search, those would be good looks for you. Um, I mean, even some psychologists. Now that they have more extensive means of education, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they have more research-based backgrounds, so they might do more of the uh, intensive assessments. And so, for instance, like um, if I see signs of a kid having ADHD, I might refer them and say, "Let's go get them a psych evaluation to further determine what that looks like." And then we start the process of IEP, 504, or whatever that might look like. Got it. Um, also, for more developmental-based mental health issues, things that sort, things that are more intense and need like you know, really intensive testing that you might get a PhD or, you know, a PsyD or a psychiatrist, and then you have a psychiatrist. And one we forgot is the LMFTs, the Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. So I'm going to be real. Mm -hmm. This sounds very confusing. Of course. (laughs) Because, (laughs) and which is unfortunate because it's kind of like, if I'm in a crisis, I guess, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or or at a limit, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's so many different options. I don't know, like... Who, who to start off with? I mean, well, it's partially. Do you start off with a counselor or a social worker? Or do you start off with a psychologist? Like, I think start off with a counselor or a social worker. Um, so that might be a barrier, I think. Probably, yeah, right. A definitely, or just it means ther- of understanding. Or um, it can be intimidating when you look at all these, you know, letters. Letters, right? And so, and what do they mean? So again, LMFT, licensed marriage and family therapists, okay. like that. Um, I think they gear more towards like couples and things of mm-hmm. that sort, which I don't do, okay. but that may be what it is. So, and then sometimes if you know specifically what you're looking for, which it. can be confusing for the layperson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm stressed. What does right. that mean? Do I have anxiety? Is it situational? Mm-hmm. Is it generational? What What does that look like? How do I go about it? Is it post traumatic stress? Is it due to okay. tra- trauma? So, 
the first thing I think is just to start looking for someone. Got it. Um, and going through your selection process and sitting with, because beyond the letters, it also comes down to a goodness of fit. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. And so oftentimes I think what people, what really steers people away that taking the next step to actually seek somebody out is it's not a good fit. And not knowing yeah. how to either communicate that or not knowing how to navigate that. And so then what do you do? Because like you said, I'm in crisis. Because it's seldom that people are like, oh, I'm feeling great today. Let me go see my therapist. Mm-hmm. Which is what you should do. Right, correct. Maybe. But <laughs> oftentimes when a person starts their journey of seeking out therapy, it's typically in, in a crisis. So they're noticing, you know, some in- inconsistencies in their life. Okay, so that's a good segue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do uh, work with adults and men, mm-hmm. right? And you're here because I wanted to talk to you specifically about the support around dads Mm -hmm. and their transition into fatherhood, parenthood, you know, and what that looks like and why. There's just so many questions I have. (laughs) That's a good way. First of all, I wonder why or maybe you can help us understand why there's such a lack of resources and support for dads when it comes to childbirth. Because, I mean, it's childbirth, right? Okay, yeah. And so when you speak of childbirth, the act of bearing a child, who's the focus? Mommy. The mother. Mm-hmm. Noticeably so because there's, you know, a lot of risk factors that they have. The physical aspect of yes. bearing a child undeniably is something that we can't fathom. And so therefore, I think in a lot of instances, we get disregarded in mm-hmm. that place. But I'll tie into why I see families, right? Mm-hmm. See a kid, everything's all good. I get my man's tools. He knows how to cope, advocate for himself, all that. But he goes home and it's ridiculous. Mm. They're not supporting the things that you've done, right? They're not, um, you know, they don't have the language or the tools or the resources. It's not a parallel process. Yeah. Um, so I think, firstly, we have to change how we view childbirth. Um, even now, this is acceptance of, you know, single parent households, even, you know, even now is trying to help people navigate how to govern two households. Okay, regardless of what y'all feel about each other, Personally, you have a child that y'all need to, you know, raise to be a a solid human being, Mm -hmm. not just to be acceptable or be good at home or be good at school. Um, I emphasize that we're raising people to be in the world and we need to raise better people to have a better Mm -hmm. world. Um, And so I think it's changing that philosophy. I like that. If we look at the aspect of, and I see firsthand when it comes to supporting, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew that I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. And we all laugh, I think, in regards <laughs> to like helping my, my my wife breathe. Yes. Now, given that was something I kind of digged in in regards to, you know, in therapy, um, for those who use those type of practices, um, you know, controlled breathing is a thing in a therapeutic setting. And so the fact that we didn't apply that to, you know, in the birthing space and really sit in there and I'm like, yo... <laughs> Like, did you really forget to breathe or how to breathe? Like, <laughs> but something as simple as that. So how do we as, you know, husbands, fathers, um, partners mm-hmm. provide that means of support? Why? Because it adds more to the benefit of the child and the mother. I love how you said we have to reframe how we think of childbirth. Because when you think of childbirth, you do just predominantly, obviously, just think of the mom mm-hmm. experiencing birth. Mm-hmm. But there's also this separation mm-hmm. and isolation, if you will. Um, of the mom mm-hmm. because no one's thinking like you can go into the hospital room and the couple comes together and it's like dad can you leave the room mm-hmm. you know they're asking dad, the dad to leave the room so they can do things you know um, different procedures and different you know it's ridiculous mm-hmm. but you're right like it's not viewed as a family centered or family centric like event 
And I think especially amongst us. I think now because of the stigma, like is the expectation that a woman is bearing a child on their own. By herself. And it's like that's wow. ridiculous to think of because, I mean, it was fun to make it, but it took another person. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost as that, as that we're promoting some of these things that mm. happen. And so um, a lot of mental health is unlearning what it is that you knew. Right. Because, um, for instance, I'm you know creating a curriculum for parents called No Blueprint. And that's one of the things I tell my parents, especially neurodivergent parents. There is no blueprint. Yeah. It's like and I had a kid one time even to reinforce confidence. It's like, yo, there's seven billion people in the world that are all innately different. Right. But yet we all trying to build carbon copies. How does that make sense? It doesn't. So therefore, a lot of things that get passed on don't necessarily apply. So think about just parenting in general. Yeah. We just do what our parents did. And, you know, what's comical to me is especially an aspect of discipline in the black household is, you know, well, I came out OK. Mm. Um, it baffles me that being OK is the standard you want for your mm. child. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, no, we want them to be better. We want them to be great. Right. So it's unlearning that mindset as to why that is in regards to that. Um, it's a societal standard in which we position or um, prop up men to be a certain way. Um, to where it's not that we don't have feelings or even have conversations. Okay. Because I want to talk about that. Yeah. It's the fact that, um, you know, where do we have those spaces and, and can we do that in a space that doesn't question manhood, uh, manhood, um, whatever that is, um, or masculinity, whatever masculinity. that is. Um, right. It's, right, because that that's the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Men don't usually go around, um, expl um, you know, voicing their feelings or I'm afraid, saying I'm afraid, mm -hmm. what's happening, I'm nervous about A, B, or C, or I don't know about that, you know what I mean? But I'm supposed to be your protector and your provider and, your, you know what I'm saying, in this space of childbirth mm -hmm. when that is not typically something that's, taught or talked about or any of that yeah it, um i mean it, it's just again we are so bound to societal standards and norms mm. that we ourselves just become you know proponents of of continuously i guess um perpetuating bad habits right yeah, right and so again until we change that mindset of how we approach it and look at it as a team perspective um not even aspect of the nature of the relationship right forget that married not baby daddy right, side, right. whatever situationship yes okay now you're here we know how babies are made right mm -hmm. now we're here what do we do collectively to support the betterment of this child simply um and so if i and you know i have a thing with um therapy in general you can't pour from an empty cup but i think men are expected to always be cup half empty mm. um and we don't know how to do it. Or we have limited language in how we express emotion. Mm -hmm. And so when we're having emotional moments, we push people away because we only know anger, aggression, assertiveness, um, all things that we attach to masculinity. I had to start getting to the point where I'm telling my wife, like, no, you hurt my feelings. Mm. That made me sad. It made me question myself. It mm. affected my confidence, my sense of well-being, um, which took me, you know, going to school <laughs> to learn the language and going counseling myself. But again... I'm teaching young guys like nah, like nah. She broke your heart. You're sad, bro. You just went through a breakup. Like you're but supposed they to. They can't be. verbalize that. No, or we only do it one way. Mm. And so if you think about it, you know, especially in our urban communities, um, the angry cry, right? The kid he wants to get in a fight. <laughs> you know, I yeah. was so mad, I was crying. Nah, you was upset. You was embarrassed. Like expand your vocabulary. Um, I even had a kid as of late where um, I was giving him some some consequences doing wall sits. I know his legs are starting to burn. He was crying. I'm like, well, why, you know, why are you crying? Like, what what, what made you upset? Um, 
your legs burn? He's like, no, I was embarrassed. So let's unpack that. What does that mean? What does embarrassment look like to you? Mm -hmm. Because even if you think about from a man's perspective and saying, I don't know, or what do I do? How do I help is embarrassing because we're supposed to know everything. Okay, so you're supposed to know everything. Mm -hmm. That's what society says. Um, well, I'm, don't don't misquote me. I don't think it's for me. But it's, it's kind of an expectation, um, right? So, but let's put that into the perspective of a dad expecting a baby, mm -hmm. such as yourself. Mm -hmm. You're expecting your second baby. Yes. But even when you're expecting your first baby, how do you, um, what are dads to do when they don't know anything about childbirth? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How does the dad... If he's not seeking ways to and methods to support, mm -hmm. right? How are dads to navigate the space they're in that's a space they don't know anything about? Well, I mean, traditionally, we kind of deal with it as we've done. Um, but again, as you continue to build up those barriers, you become kind of, a, I call it emotionally constipated, right? <laughs> you get built up, then you express it um, negatively in, in, in different instances. Um, how it's manifested within myself is because, again, now you're raising a small person, mm -hmm. um, an aspect of, you know, discipline or getting them to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and from a place of restraint, because it's like, nah, I'm not just beating my child because that's what y'all did to make you okay. It's like, mm. well, I got to be creative. And I've had times where I've, like, raised my voice or gotten impatient or frustrated. And I'd apologize. I'm sorry, T. I didn't mean to take it there. Um, to where I start getting more creative of things I don't even give to my guys. I'm sitting with T and trying to do controlled breathing. Um, a lot of it for <laughs> me is the non-tangible or physical things to help and support. Mm -hmm. um, with the first child, I could tell distinctly, like, one of the pivotal moments that we had was um, the late nights. Mm. Um, and we like my wife used to covet naps. Um, so we, you know, <laughs> yes, we, we value we're sleep. nap queens. Yeah, like you know, we definitely value sleep. Yes, and and so like we in the bed, and this is a whole new thing. We got this little person in the <laughs> bed with us, not letting you sleep. Um, and it's like she would get up and she would respond, and also just ways that we defer to the wife. What am I supposed to do right now? Especially mm -hmm. you're breastfeeding. Like I, I can't take your boob and help the child. So what do I what do I do in this instance? Um, and I remember her was like, just the things that y'all know instinctually. Yeah. Again, I'm like, again, me just being logical was like, you bared this person for nine months. Like, sure. of course, you're going to have a different level of attachment. I need for you to tell me, or at least give me insight. And I remember her getting up and she's like, you know, why don't you get up? Like, you don't ask. You And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm. I said, be patient with me and extend some grace because I don't have the same instincts as you. Not given my education and vocabulary, I think that that's why I was able to have the conversation the way I did. Pretty sure those alls don't happen that way. So those are conversations that should happen before yes. you have the baby gets here. <laughs> because that middle of the night fatigue and you're sleeping and getting good sleep and I'm up, my boobs hurt, this child is nursing mm -hmm. and all the things and you're sleeping, that, that's all she can see. And it's like, dude, I'm going to need you to sit up and stare at me while I'm up to. I mean, the, <laughs> like the meme of wanting to punch us in the face because we're enjoying our rest. That like, part. We no. got it. And it's like, well, I don't know any different. What else to do? So I'm waking up just to ask so you can tell me no yeah. so I can go oh. back to sleep. Okay. So but it's I a two-way street. And I inquired. And that was something even within our relationship that I think is 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 a simple concept that we don't think about. Just ask. Mm-hmm. Mm. And stop assuming that I got it because I just go through things as I'm accustomed to. Are you okay? So with the mm. first child, there was a lot of us learning ourselves. And so we started doing check-ins. Got it. Well, how are you? What do you need? Um, there's even a concept I've uh, I seen, I think on IG that I love, about like 
relationships aren't necessarily 50-50 or sometimes it's 80-20. Sure. And so like I might have to cover that 80, that, you know, that 20% because 80%, especially in initial childbirth, right? Where there's a lot of dependency and attachment to the child. And especially yeah. with first time mothers, um, that thing goes to the extent like they want to extend that connection forever long. Right. So we still get Tika out of our bed. Don't, if she sees this, it is what it is. But, <laughs> it, you know, that level of attachment, engagement, right? To where I had to wait for certain shifts. Sure. Also understanding that we have different relationships with said child. So I don't feel any type of way now when she's like, last night I was like, I want daddy to sleep with me. Then was like, no, I want mommy. I'm like, ooh, I'm tired. And that's an important concept for the breastfeeding, mm-hmm. right? You can't feed the baby. You know that you can't feed the baby. Mm-hmm. Mom knows that she has to feed the baby if she's nursing, you know, if she's breastfeeding. So knowing each other's role and part in that, right? And accepting it for what it is and then picking it up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so the first person, the first, not the only person that gave her actual bottle was me. Mm. Um, and then the dope exchange that Tegan and I have had was figuring it out in mom's absence. So like mom uh-huh. went away right. and um, again, getting better at communicating language and how you're feeling. And she had a full fledged meltdown. And again, me observing this as an adult professional, I'm like, once they're committed, they're committed. Mm-hmm. There's no like changing that mindset, stopping my child is not going well, unless it's something they want. They full fledged crying, but oh, you want an ice pop or a pony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> she was committed to this meltdown. And I sat and I said, you're upset because mommy's going, huh? She's like, yes. I was like, so you're just overwhelmed. You don't know what to do. No. We laid on the floor and she cried until we fell asleep in a pile of clothes. Wow. But that was a growth moment. Mm-hmm. So even within, um, you know, our relationship, again, as she's weaning her off the boob and now I'm able to share some of the responsibility. Sure. It's not solely on her. There's actually things that I can do um, is figuring out what that looks like and, and how to navigate that for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and so even when it's coming through like, OK, you're tired. She's been crying. She's not listening. I'll take over. Let me rock her sleep. And that's when the flexibility comes in. I think that um, a lot of moms may not or couples may not think that there are phases with this thing. Mm -hmm. There are phases that is going to look one way one day and two weeks later might look another way or three months later might look this way. But they're just phases that you're going in and out of constantly. There's these different transitions, you know, in which your role might look different. Yep. And also, I think part of the grace that you give is allowing each parent to figure it out. I've had adamant times. I'm like, let her cry. Let we have to go through this because then you become rescuing. And if your issue is that you're trying to differentiate the attachment so she goes to both parents, there's, you know, a give and a take of that now. And also how much you trust your partner. That. Because at some point in time, again, if you're going to lay with this man or woman and, you know, bear a child, then part of what you give them or allow them to do is a byproduct of how you trust your partner. And that's hard when you have a new baby and it's all new to everybody. I don't know if I can trust you with my new baby. Oh, I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my man or not. I don't know if I can trust uh, you because well, you you never had a baby. At but all. But look at me and or, I never and I, had a baby. <laughs> but I'm but again, looking at you, you ha- like you the ops because... You, you had them for nine months. It didn't yeah. cost you. You didn't bled. You I didn't don't cry. know what you can Everything do. Everything feels different. Do. Things is not hanging how they used to. And you I don't, get if it. you're not gonna do it my way or the way I do it, then you, I'm not gonna let you do it at all. And there's no space or room for you to do that. And, but then let's talk about how that affects the man's mental health. You want me to do stuff, but you only want me to do it your way. 
Mm. We're a partnership. We have different skills and abilities and talents that we bring to the table. That's the only way in which we thrive. If we're both the two the same individuals, where's the growth? There is none. So again, you have to question yourself, did you make a good choice in your partner so we can trust them? And we get to the point where, you know, my wife used to be like, oh, I'm not letting you take her out until two, three, four, you know, four years old. All right, cool. You work from home. I got flexibility in my days. So it got to the point where it's like, all right, we just going to go somewhere. Well, where are you going? All right, we're going to get something to eat. We at the Children's Museum or we're at Giggly Wiggly's indoor playground because I can't just entertain her at home. I can't just sit and do puzzle with her all day. Like I have to do things that I like to do for her. So we're going to go out. We're going to have, you know, lunch dates. So now it's a regular thing, but it took a while for her to kind of let go of those reins and be like, all right, cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, listen, because she going to be up you under you all the time. Or are you going to let us figure this thing out? And we figured it out. OK, well. That's scary. I mean, it is. It is. It's and so, scary for moms. It's scary for dads. Everybody's just afraid and scared to death, honey, in but, this childbirth thing. But look at it from our perspective. Again, we can't, like, you can't win for losing, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I need you, but I want you to do it so how I want I'm you to do it. Right. What if that's so not my I'm skill set? what I'm hearing is everyone being flexible enough, but also trusting each other's judgment. Grace. And granting each other grace in this, uh, this area or a space that neither of us have been in before. Exactly. And it's an area of growth. So, again, in, in every aspect, I always talk about extending grace. Um, only that way can you allow growth, understanding, conversation, dialogue to help move towards the, the right destination. Because at the end of the day, we have the same goal. If not, we need to have a conversation. We have a little human. We just need to make them a good person. How do we do that? Okay. So how do dads navigate feelings of feeling overwhelmed, feeling uh, stretched out, feeling ignored? Feeling like they don't matter because how do they or how should they? How both? I, again, I think we just, you just deal with it. Um, and I and ironically, I I would go to say, and I don't have the stats with me right now because mm -hmm. this is, but it's like I'd be remiss not to say that like a lot of issues that men get in older age are a byproduct of unprocessed emotion, right? Ulcers. And, you know, intestinal issues, mm -hmm. heart issues, right. dieting, bad health, bad practices, right? Body breaking down, even as a byproduct of mindset, I just work and work and work until I break down. Mm -hmm. What's any good in that, right? And so, again, we go through the process of just doing what's expected of us and not knowing, again, having a language to verbalize. Should that be the case? No. You need me to be at my best so I can be there for you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, even in regards to now we're having a second child, um, I sat and I had a conversation with my wife and I'm like, listen, I know some of this weight you cannot bear. It's okay. Like, but I just don't need you stressing out about things that are not here. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that was, I start taking hold of maintaining a mental state of sanctity at, in our household. We have in peace. Anybody that disrupting that, yo, you're getting too loud on the phone. It sounds like you're getting upset. You need to hang up that phone. We need to take a break. Like, because. Right. I need to, like, that's the one thing I can do is, like, I don't want you stressing out my child before he gets here. <laughs> so so then what what do dads do, though? I, I, what should dads do is why I think this is vital, especially when you're getting the point of, of bearing, you know, having a kid, is what does that mean? Um, whether it's having conversation with your parents. Um, I'm a big proponent on that. Before I got married, I, dad, I don't know how to be a husband. You know, can you tell me? Dad, I don't know how to be a father. Can you tell me what that looks like, what that is? And, and even he said, you know, my, my, my brother was a better suggestion. Mm -hmm. But like going to different spaces. I think also having 
allowing to have being allowed to have adult conversations would also let you know the basis behind why your parents did what you did and why you might need to change that. So I think starting with that, especially you're dealing with family dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing, like we don't, we're not allowed to have adult conversations with our parents after a certain age. And I think at least at 30, we need to have that. You know, y'all got divorced, what happened? Mm. I don't want any, you know, what was the nature of what happened in your relationship so I could look at certain things? What was it like, you know, even when parents give insight about parenting, right? You had a whole village, but yeah, you're trying to make it seem like we struggling because our village ain't here. Are you mindful of that? And then seeking counseling and not necessarily to identify like a diagnosis. Like I don't, and even myself, I don't like pushing a diagnosis. I don't, it, it, for me, it's arbitrary if you have anxiety or depression or whatever the expectations, you have these things and you work to be the best version of yourself. So if that's an obstacle, work within that but you still got to do the work. But I think it's going and speak to somebody to see what barriers could affect you emotionally too. Okay. So what advice would you give to a dad who feels the things, right? He's feeling Mm. all the stressors of fatherhood, providing for his household, but he's stressed out and he's sad, but he's, and he's mad and he's unfulfilled. You know, he's looking for things that he can't have right now from his, from his partner, from his wife, you know, like, what advice would you give dads that feel kind of overwhelmed or or unseen? I mean, I, I think speak to someone and just find someone that can hold space for you. Because um, ultimately, that's what I do as a therapist. It's not any, you know, navigating you in any direction. I hold space for you. Um, sit and talk. Let's have a dialogue. And let's navigate these things. Sometimes reframing to you. And then you're able to identify some of those blind spots that you didn't know you had yourself. Um, so I think it's just anything. We just need to make seeking counseling a more normal aspect of things mm-hmm. so that we can kind of navigate these things just to become better versions of ourselves. Now, you know, is that hard? Yeah, you know, finding male clinicians is, you know, a bit scarce. Finding black male clinicians, I think we make up like 4% of the population. Um, but the thing is, like, for men in general, even when I worked in healthcare, we don't, we only wait until we break down. We're not about preventive care. And I think that's why us married men tend to live longer because the wife, you need to go, uh, but men naturally are not necessarily going and seeking care. So I think also, um, I think in, you know, re-educating and reframing health around men, this needs to be something that becomes routine, right? So, you know, get 40, 50. Definitely when you haven't, especially when you have, um, dads who did not have a father Mm, or no male, you know, prominent male role figures in their families and single parent households. They don't have the tools they need to navigate feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then I see that in a lot of my young boys, especially um, in single mother households. And I've heard a weird dynamic in which mothers are doing things to try to make them men. What does that look like? Right. So either being overly, you know, um, disciplinary, Mm -hmm. um, not very compliment, complimentary, Mm -hmm. Um, even some of the friend of mine's in another podcast pointed out of how like someone has a byproduct of post-traumatic slave syndrome. So like the mother that, you know, goes to the school and the teachers is like, you know, um, he's smart in all these areas, but she'll she'll be like, well, nah, he, you know, he's lazy. He don't get up because why they didn't want you to talk too highly of your kid because there's a point in time when your kid was too skillful they would take him wow. from you. Wow. Wow. And I didn't realize how much those things, you know, trickled down to that sense of mindset so even amongst my um mm. you know, my single mothers when they come to me, it, they emphasize like I just need a, a positive male influence in their life to help them understand what manhood is and it's doing so from a modeling standpoint. Wow. Then and so I think that goes both ways, right? Like, you know, understanding your background, unpacking some of these things, how did being single you know, having a single parent affect you? Um, for myself, I mean, between dealing with homelessness, 
addiction, it all played a role in how I interact and engage with people and who I am, right? Um, but it took time for me to kind of sit with that and address that. A part of my education was even trying to understand myself more honestly. I wrote a lot of papers on myself. Like, mm-hmm. I had a teacher be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's yeah. cool, but I just need to figure those things out. And so being knowledgeable of these things and start unpacking your trauma, um, and especially, you know, black folks, I think is ingrained, um, you know, within our DNA. Absolutely. So it's essential because um, whether it's not knowing how to consciously care for a child or how to manage your emotions, because um, children are frustrating, right? They're they're annoying. <laughs> they can be annoying. <laughs> yes, right. Um, nagging, navigating, all the things, right? And if I blow up on you as a young person that's still trying to understand the world, I did you a disjustice because then you didn't go do that. So I think at the very least, go one or two sessions just to sort your ish out. Like, yeah. what's really going on? What's something that you never? Um, you know, acknowledge? What are your blind spots? So we're very family-centered at Birth by Grace Midwifery. Like, you come in, you feel included, hopefully, in your care, right? Mm-hmm. But I, st- I can tell you that we see so many dads that are battling something, mm-hmm. you know, be it outwardly or be we- it very internal, you know? Um, and so we're just, we're really passionate about being able to have resources because we, we're we therapists, mm-hmm. okay? Like, we're going to sit here and listen to you, but at the end of that thing, honey, I don't know who, where to steer you, where to, you know, lead you to for help. Exactly. Be, like but it's about. so real. We deal with real issues, real families, real people with real feelings. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we just, that's why I wanted you to come on here as a dad to just really you know, encourage other fathers to seek what they need as well mm-hmm. from an emotional standpoint because we, of course, the mom is centered in the care. Mm-hmm. But once this, I mean, that's a whole process and a whole situation So um, <laughs> that everyone myself, is involved in. I saw, I sought out counseling. I had um, I had an emotional breakdown of something minor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I don't know if I mentioned it like, and I just laugh at where I'm at emotionally is much different than where I was before I had a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's, you know, having a daughter or not, but I'm like, I'm watching the shot and I'm sitting there crying over scenes. And I'm like, wait, this is not, you know, not what I do. Not necessarily anything wrong with it, but like even my own personal struggles yeah. expressing emotion in that way has been, been hard for me. My wife has only ever seen me cry once in 12 mm-hmm. years. And it's not because I'm trying to be the most, yeah, I'm right. not a macho, man. I'm just a regular guy. Like, And so I can say from firsthand experience, like things change, things shift. We're also getting older. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure at them, them, them testosterone commercials be hitting a little bit different <laughs> when you approach in huh. 40 talking about, oh, maybe I need some t- testosterone. Like, mm-hmm. um, so just doing the internal work and then seeking those resources. And I think the first place to start is, again, psychology today. Um, Clinicians of Color is a great one. Well, if they're in Atlanta, they can call you. Yes, most definitely. Elevated Genius Solutions. Um, also ElevatedGeniusSolutions.com. Um, and what I like to do is because I do see adults, but they come and they go, which I don't mind at all. Sure. Um, I don't want to hold you hostage. Uh, and ironically, part of the stigma uh, with black folks specifically in mental health is that I remember having a lot of conversations about like, well, if you're not just making them sick, how are you going to earn money? I'm like, there's enough people dealing with like stress that I'll have won't have a problem. But the mindset is that I'm going to go there fine and you're going to give me something. Mm-hmm. And y'all medically, right? Um, between the C experiments, like how do I know you're not gonna give me a syphilis blanket when I get there, right? <laughs> and irrational, irrational, that's how a lot of men think. And wow. so it's also the mindset. So um 
I want to offer like a number of five sessions for a reasonable price. I don't set that. I want it to be the individual so that we kind of sort these things and you can see or we identify some of your blind spots. I say, hold on, just let me hold space for you. Talk, express what's been going on, reflect. Because mm. um, again, a lot of people speak their issues, but they don't process them. Got it. Processing them is different than talking about them. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's different than when you go to your friends and you talk about your problems. A, your friends always want to fix it. Um, B, they don't always give the best advice because they have an immediate bias, right? Correct. Um, you're my friend. So I'm I'm on your side. Get rid of them regardless. Even and then they haven't had any experience either. At all. Um, and knowing and having a person that professionally knows how to ask questions, probe, you know what I'm saying? Like read between the lines I think is essential. And so I've had guys that come to me and after those number of sessions, they're like, okay, I'm good. It was a situational stressor, but they didn't leave. And it's like, well, now I have depression. Now do I need medication or now I have anxiety? I don't like doing that. Um, especially for men. I know the stigma that exists. I know what comes with it. Just come sit. Let me hold space for you. Um, you know, let's navigate some of these things, especially in regards to bearing a child. What does that look like to you? What does that mean to you? What conversations are you having? Without you feeling like you're soft or weak or any of those things that society would tell you you are. Mm-hmm. For fact. Um, I'll keep it a buck that a lot of my security and my masculinity is when I worked in HIV with men that had HIV um, that were gay men. Mm. It changed my whole perspective. Because it's like, oh, so it's not about preference. Like, no, how they carry, conduct themselves, the principles they had is what made them masculine, not their preferences, how they present themselves, whatever the case might have been. And so I think for a man, if you're letting someone else define what is masculine to you, then you need to come see me because you need to define that for yourself. You need to retake ownership. Um, If you're a man and questioning that, if I express my emotion, right, if we're put here to um, be fruitful and multiply, right, and if, if, the stigma is women are emotional beings and you're not emotional in tune. How are you really showing up for your woman? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's so many ways you can spin it. Um, you just need to get it. Um, whether it's just lacking intimacy, well, now nah, you need to get out of some of that emotional blockage. If you can't get in tune with yourself to get in tune with your partner, there's an issue there, right? If you, again, are just only, I'm going to do what my parents did, while well, resentful towards your parents, you don't talk to your father, you don't like your mother, um, you moved out at 16, not because you had to, because you wanted to get away from them, but mm-hmm. you're going to do what they did, something's wrong. ElevatedGenius.com. Elevated Genius Solutions. ElevatedGeniusSolutions.com. That's, it is time for you to get your minds right as well, okay? Because we need you mm-hmm. in these childbirth streets, honey. We need dads to show up fully as their full, healthy selves in their mind, bodies, and spirits. <laughs> okay? So, therapy is sexy, honey. Dad therapy is sexy. Okay? It's not weak. It's not uh, less than. It's not any of the things that society is going to try to put on you for doing those things. Right? Yeah. Seek help. Seek help. Okay? And also, I, I do on unorthodox. So yes. I don't I don't like if if it's over coffee, lunch. Recently, I'm looking at hosting the game night at Hooters. So if that if that doesn't make you feel more masculine, we can talk about man feelings at Hooters <laughs> playing video games. I, like I don't that. know what it is, but, um, you know, feelings is masculine. Um, yeah. Feelings are gangster. Feelings are hard. Feelings are dope. Um, and I think when you're emotionally in tuned, um, that's more important than anything. And that's where I want to get all my young guys. It's like emotions aren't a bad thing. It's how you manage them and navigate them. Um, and I had to teach them, you know, and a lot of times what defines a man is not the things that we do to act out masculinity. It's how we act, you know, operate in with strength. The things that we don't do. 
the passes that we give, the times that we don't react, I mm-hmm. think are more of a sign of masculinity then. And the only way you can do that is that you have control and mastery over your feelings and emotions and are seeking the resources necessary to get that if you don't. I like that. Mastering your feelings and emotions. Elevating your genius through mental Elevating your genius. Through mental emotional well-being. Johnny Alexander. BBG dad. Facts. And we're almost there, too. Yes, we are. I can't wait. I'm excited. I can. <laughs> I can. I can. I remember the last time. Who's going to carry that bowl? We got to get the water. Listen, we are ready. Down. You better get ready. Snacks. We getting our walking in. She already talking about doing headstands. We not We not playing with Miss Dawn this year. Hey. Not at all. And she ain't got nowhere to run either. Y'all. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Birth Exchange Podcast. This is midwife Christine, and we are out.